are the gentlemen advancing the melanin evolution? Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev. We are the gentlemen advancing the melanin evolution. Where evolution is revolution. On another edition of the GRG Show. Yes, RLJ and Kev, yes, man. Yo, we have officially launched. Yeah. Feels good, man. Yo, bro, we got a website. It feels good. And the website don't look bootleg. No, no, it could have. It could it was almost it was there, but we yo. But God. But God, look at him, man. Look at him. <laughs> Bruh. We yo, we streaming on all major streaming platforms. Yes, sir. And not to mention we have um a consistent following. Yeah, um, I, I would think so. The episode downloads, the numbers are going up by the score, um, social interaction. So we wanna appreciate, you know, and acknowledge the individuals who have been tuning in whether it's on spotify itunes google play podbean it's apple podcast ironic my bad apple podcast apple podcast <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's it's new it's different oh apple gotta do their own thing all the time um, appreciate it though um and so appreciate everyone that has been tuning in giving us feedback um but most importantly just continuing to support the game recognized game podcast with roj and kev as we bring you important topics, but um, the opportunity for discussion. So we we want the conversation that we're having to extend beyond the hour and 12 minutes that you find on Spotify of a certain topic. Um, continue to engage with us, send us messages and emails, but most importantly, have these conversations within your circle, within your group, within your frat, within your sorority. Um, Within your ministry, within mm. your house, within yeah, your man. relationships, so that we all can grow together. Because I think that's the most important thing. Um, as you look at our logo, um, the light is coming from the brain and the heart of Africa. Because we want to illuminate issues that would help us to grow and be better as individuals, but most importantly, better as a community. Hey, check, check, and double check. Um what I've really been pleased the most about, bro, is, um, like you said, the feedback. Yep. But um, people are listening in, like, 17 states. Yeah. <laughs> Kuwait. Yeah. A couple <laughs> countries. We- yeah. Shout, shout out shout out to my people in Kuwait that, that's supporting me, man. I definitely <laughs> I appreciate it. And the fan base in the UAE, I will return soon. Man. You know, and the funny thing is the feedback that we're getting. Um, it's positive and um, at the end of the day bro the only reason that I um, I'm tickled because these are just our experiences that we're putting out in the atmosphere and people identify with them absolutely and one way that we can look at it is that because um, a lot of times you know being black in white spaces we feel as if um, we are isolated and our experiences are unique to us. Mm-hmm. They are unique in terms of when we encounter it based on our prior experience, exposure, and education. But for the most part, um, other people have gone through the same thing or maybe have been thinking the same thing or maybe have felt the same thing, but they've never said anything. And because of this platform, people are able to connect to what we're saying and those experiences 
um, and say, yeah, I've, I've had that happen to me at work. I've had that happen to me within a relationship, but I haven't had conversation about it. And so um, I think this is, we are, we are the vehicle to conversations that are happening. And I, that, that was one of the purposes of having this so that more um, people, especially within the black community, are having conversations. Exactly. Um, so that we can be better than what we were yesterday. Well, if anything, um, I know that there are people that are going through the same struggles on Tinder, <laughs> <laughs> like I am. And I said, well, damn, misery does love company. <laughs> you know, I got some comments on Instagram, um, people responding to uh, the battle of the sexes. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's funny because people are sharing their dating struggles. And, yo, I didn't sign up to do the podcast to, like, put all my business out in the street like that. But I feel good because it's like, okay, well, I know I'm not crazy now. I'm not the only one. I'm not the having, only one, brother Jay. That's having booger bears. Yeah, booger <laughs> bears, man. You know, even though, um, I, you know, I, I fell off a little bit, scaled back on the tender, because I, I don't have the time to, to go through and swipe, 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 and then see what some, something looks good to me. So I think I'm a chill, man. If somebody likes me and I find out about it, then so be it. But I, de I definitely don't want um, I don't want more booger bass to get in <laughs> get in the inbox. That's fair, no <laughs> but keep in mind, keep in mind on the previous episode we talked about the goal is to make sure that uh, summer nineteen. Summer nineteen. We man. gonna get Kev. We gonna get Kev. Um, I don't want to be booed up though, man. That's too much pressure. Nah, we just summertime, you, bro. We, it's the summertime, man. So that's gonna be that's gonna be the layup. To the slam dunk. Oh, you throw me a oop. Yeah, we're going to get you right. That's funny. We're going to get you right. So listen. Baby, baby girl, if you're out there, please don't be crazy. <laughs> please don't be crazy. No, I don't have a lot of money. Yes, I am divorced. Yes, I do have a child. Um, My time is limited, but for that special someone, I'm, I will make a lot of exceptions. But just don't be crazy. Check, check this out, though. This, this is what we're going to do. So to all of our listeners... We will announce when we are going to hit the scene. So if you want to come and meet Kev, um, I'm spoken for. So you, you you can come holler at me. You can say what's up. We can take a picture, but you got you got to you got to bounce after that. Uh, Brother Jay is not giving any unnecessary attention. I don't want no attention smoke. to all the Ishas out there. I don't, so you gotta I don't want no smoke. I don't want yeah. no smoke. Um, <laughs> no smoke. No smoke. No I, smoke. I got asthma. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we we will let you know where we're gonna go because we're hitting rooftops this summer, Kevin. Oh, that's right, man. We hitting rooftop. We hitting brunch because you know we like the brunch, which means I need to go to the earlier church service to make sure I get in. Yeah, man. My church canceled the Saturday services ah. for the summer. You know, so I guess I gotta get up and go to an eight thirty joint, so then I can get ratchet after the fact. That's fair. Hey, that's man, fair. I am I am brilliant. I'm ignorant. <laughs> I'm righteous. I'm ratchet. Hey, I am man. <laughs> I am man. That's the shirt. Man. That's the shirt. <laughs> That's the shirt. We can, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We will definitely announce where we will be, so you can come holler at the GRG crew. Um, but also, starting after this episode, you can visit www.thegrgshow.com, and you can get the gear. Um, of the GRG show, and so when we eventually launch the video versions of the podcast, oh, they coming, man! Yeah, they, they coming. coming real. They they on deck. That's too much pressure though, because that means I gotta have like a haircut every 
every recording. I gotta shave. Damn, you know, I'm man. not gonna shave yeah, every week. Nah, I'm not man. gonna shave. Y'all gonna get this black boy jewelry in any form I give it. They caught they caught me with the hats on, you know, the hats on but at the same time I told you I'm using I'm using um hair care products for natural hair now, so I just want my locks to flow, you know. <laughs> but that means that's more pressure because you got I have no locks, so you 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 on your own on that one. It's all good. Uh, hey man, we're gonna re- like I said, we're gonna reach out to LeBron James, man. We're gonna see what we can do for you. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate I, it. I, yeah. That's appreciate gonna be my mission for summer nineteen. I don't want it to run down uh, my face though, Kev. I need uh, to do yeah, <laughs> it. look real. That's the tough one, man. I need it to look real. You gotta you gotta look real. It got to look real. No shoe polish. None. Don't want to mess up the pillow. I don't want to have a Jermaine Jackson going on. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Jermaine Jackson. Jermaine Jackson, man. I don't know if it was shoe polish. If it was like, at first I thought it was like the thick jam gel. They used to put in the baby girl's no. hair back in the day, nah, man. To slick it down real good. It, it looked like it was fake hair. And it was with, a ha- with shoe polish. It was a helmet. With with it looked like it was laminated. Like he had the Missy Elliott <laughs> finger waves on the side. Right, and then he had the he had the, the barge back in the day little top. It just looked bad, man. Then he had that pancake number seven on his face, bro. Yo. It was. <laughs> why you had to take Michael, God? Why you had to take Michael? I mean, you know, facial wise, I guess it wasn't any better, but but at least it was Michael. Yeah, it was. Uh... Jermaine be doing too much, man. Like, cause Jermaine had like one lead song, two lead songs in the Jackson Five. What were they? Now he a star. Name them. Um, daddy's home. Jermaine's ain't that. Daddy's home. Okay. To stay. What was the other one? Can't think of. Crickets. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Jermaine Jackson, if you're listening, which you're probably hey. not. Uh, shout out to the Jackson. Five. Shout out to the Jacksons, man. Shout out to Tito and Jackie, the coolest of all the Jacksons. Jackie man. was cool. Jackie the man. Jackie yo. was cool. I saw Jackie. Jackie took uh, Oprah Winfrey out on like a date. Uh huh. Um, it's like one of her last episodes a few years back that I watched, man. And yo, Oprah was oh, yo, Stedman. I would have felt a certain kind of way if I was Stedman, man. Because <laughs> Jackie Jackson had Oprah open, like she was hyped, like she was sixteen years old. Jackie Jackson, like she was, hi- she was hyped. And mind you, Jackie don't have no solo albums or nothing like that. Jackie, what was he? Did a guitar player? Nah, Tito and Jermaine were a guitar player. Jackie was in the middle. He just Jackie he was a tall guy. Yeah, he, he was, was his tall. older brother. Just, just dead. Imagine the uh, man. Imagine the play Jackie was getting in like seventy four, seventy five. He I was, wasn't born, so I, I understand I it, man. But just Jackie Jack Like you the You the oldest Of all the brothers I'm the oldest I'm the one that keeps them All in line Yeah man I'm the one that gets beat first When Joe comes in the door But that, that But also you the one Who's old enough To like take advantage Of the pop fame And you know what He <laughs> From from the movie From the movie He was real chill He was laid back Because yeah. he was like Yo I'm gonna let All these hype ones Get Michael And, and Tito Um but when all the hype goes and that energy goes, I'm gonna get the ones that's got it. That's laying back in the scene. Yo, uh, Terrence Howard played Jackie Jackson. Yes, he did. In the Jackson Five yes, American did. Dream Story, yes, Terrence he Howard. He was like the grown Jackie Jackson. Yes, he did. You know, I recorded that on VHS when it came on. Man, that that was actually I I, I enjoyed that um, biopic pick just because. Uh, like Joe, I had another respect for Joe. <laughs> man, I had another respect for Joe. And Angela, Bassett, Joe Jackson, Angela Bassett played the Mother mama. Jackson. Yeah, yeah, she played Catherine. Yeah. Did you, 
if you haven't known, I mean, if you haven't noticed from any other show, we love Angela Bassett. Mm. Um, Yo, she like sixty now. Yes. Yes. And looking good. Shout out to Courtney Vance, her husband. Man. For wifing her. He was a smart guy. He knew what, what he was he doing. What did he do that I didn't? He knew what he... He wasn't on Tinder. Facts. Facts. He wasn't on Tinder. Um, yeah. He was at the right place at the right time. Man. Um, but, she, you know, you, you can find you a Courtney... Is, I mean, uh, um, uh, uh, Angela Bassett. She you can find is your gorgeous, man. At 60 years old. Mm-hmm. And she's a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Uh, so, shout out to the Reds. Oh, yeah, man. Um, who are listening. Mm. Um... The name of that group that likes to go, ooh, you know. Yeah. Shout out to DST. Love them, man. Love some deltas too. Yeah. I got. I know a lot of, a lot of good deltas, man. Um, my godmother was a delta. One of my um, godmother that passed, my aunt Gail, she was a delta. Bennett Bennett College. Okay. Yeah. Bennett Bell. She was a Bell. Uh-huh. She was a Bennett Bell. Yeah. Shout out to Bennett College. Yeah. You know, still surviving and thriving, um, doing their thing, representing for the HBCUs, and um. It was good to see the the level of support that the country, but not even the country, people across the globe were supporting Bennett College because they saw the importance of um, not just the HBCU, but um, one of the few institutions for women that were trailblazers in different fields. They saw the importance and the need to stay open and to stay um, stay empowered within the field of HBCUs, and so shout out to shout out to everyone that contributed to uh, to Bennett to make sure that the doors of that the legacy and the lifeline do not close. The cool thing about um, the Bennett fundraiser was some of the PWIs in the state of North Carolina teamed up with them. that teamed up and contributed. You know your high points. Um, your Elon, Elon colleges, yeah. and that surprised me. But um, I really think in higher education in general, it's a tight knit community. And as much trash as I talk, I really do um, believe that um, and hi- a level of higher education um, that one can receive uh, will assist them and guide them in making their communities a better place. Absolutely, and. Um we, you know, I, I think about my, my alma mater of Marshall University and, you know, our, our, our motto is we are Marshall. We are Marshall. And so I think often about the outreach that the university does because we are doesn't just um, cover the individuals that are members of the academic portion of the university, but we are covers the community wherever there may be a member of the Thundering Herd country or family. Mm-hmm. It covers that. And so you will find we are on different campuses and different communities across the nation, across the globe, doing what, you know, we we at Marshall University um, enjoy and take pride in knowing that we are better in mankind, womankind, so that the next generation can have something to look forward to, but also to learn from. Mm-hmm. Hey, big shout to everybody that's graduating this weekend. Um, I've been uh, very happy and full of joy seeing all of the graduation pictures on all of my social media timelines, man. Um, I have friends who have children that are graduating from college now. You're old, Kevin. 
<laughs> which is wild. You know, you're old, Kevin. They had well, I mean, come on, man. They, I mean, they had they had children. Um, some of them had children pretty young or what have you. Okay, but they're graduating from college, and then they have children that are graduating from high school, and um, that's crazy because you know, um, people assume that we are part of a generation. That uh, we don't care about legacy. We don't care about uh, making sure that uh, the next generation has a platform to go beyond where we um, have been. And it was it was just dope to see that I have a lot of friends who um, they have kids that are doing their thing and they've instilled in them this sense of purpose. Yeah, it's good to see um, the caps and the gowns. It's. I reflect back on, I went to at a graduation this past week, and, you know, they always have rules of please clap, uh, don't clap until the last graduate crosses the stage. <laughs> Never. And, and <laughs> no, no, nobody ever. I don't, I don't really know. Like, so looking around, um, especially if it's at an institution that I work at, and so it was one of the schools that I do some consulting with, so I'm sitting with some of the faculty, and the black faculty, we looked at each other to make that face like, ain't no way in hell you gonna tell me to be quiet when I watch my child walk across the stage because I know what my child had to endure to make it to this point. And so I always, I can identify that woman who's not gonna follow instructions. Oh man. And I, I make eye contact and I connect with her like this. Please same. don't bring any balloons into the facility. B- balloons galore. Man. Balloons galore. Please hold your applause until the last. Do graduate. not stand nope. and applaud. Nope, I'm nope, standing, nope, nope. I'm nope. shouting. You, I'm, you gonna know which which student belongs to me. Yeah. And and the best part, there was one graduation I went to, and it was it reminded me of you know the old school village or the community, where everyone that belonged to that village or community, everyone got a standing ovation, right? And so it's like I'm not just cheering for my child. I'm children. I'm cheering for the other children within my community, and so every time you saw someone getting ready to get up, uh, to get their diploma, to get their degree, individuals would stand up, get ready, mm-hmm. and they would wait yeah. quietly while others were, you know, they were still clapping. But when it was theirs, when it was their children from the community, it was like this pride of achievement and accomplishment. Um, but I. I don't know how I would respond to you telling me I can't clap for my child until the end. Deans and provosts and presidents and principals and um, assistant principals and superintendents, when you make that announcement, um, if you got uh, the, the the hood in, in your in your space, <laughs> it is the hood. <laughs> nobody is ever gonna listen to you. So it, just give it up. I I was at a graduate school graduation um, last week. And we're talking, you know, MBAs, elite of the elite of the elite. And it was folks in there that was showing their natural. <laughs> they hold natural ass <laughs> when they're a student. If it was their wife or brother I love it. or grandson, I love it. they didn't give a damn. And, you know, my role in the graduation, I was uh, responsible for helping uh, people with limited mobility <laughs> get to their seats. So, mm-hmm. Older, elderly folks, folks in wheelchairs, uh, people that just needed assistance and didn't want to walk all over the arena. And, man, it was one grandmother, and I caught her, and she thanked me so much because she didn't have a reserved space. Mm-hmm. But I said, I have an extra space. 
I don't, you know, do you want to, do you want it? Well, how far I got to go? <laughs> that is, the, that's the universal question. <laughs> yeah. How far is it? Yeah. I said, well, no, it's good. Actually, you'll be closer to, you'll be closer to, um, where your graduate is receiving their degree than your family is right now. Oh, well, come on. Let me go. Hold on. Let me get this walker. <laughs> and so, uh, we go and sit down and man, she was so hyped. Like she was so hyped and she had pom-poms and it was wild because, uh, it's a PWI, but when every black NBA walked across the stage to get their degree, mm-hmm. she was hyped. Yeah. It just wasn't her. Like, you could tell which graduate belonged to her. Yep. But it was almost as if everyone belonged and to her. And all these are my children. Yeah. Because, and and so I had an older, a older gentleman who was at a high school graduation, and he was sitting by himself. Um and so I recognized it. I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe he just wants to sit by himself. And so towards the end, he came up to me, and um, I happened to have on, you know, since I was faculty, I had on my robe. I was yeah. hot. I was angry. I didn't want to talk to nobody. <laughs> so I'm trying to get out to get out of the robe. And he said, thank you all for all the work that you do. Um, I don't believe that people thank you enough. And I said, um, thank you for that. Thank you for acknowledging that. Um you know, how, what graduate did you come see? And so he pulls out this list, and he was like, well, this is my grandson, and this is my great-niece. And then my neighbor, um, before she moved away, you know, she had a son, so he was graduating. And so he had about eight or nine people. Oh, that's He's, dope. And he said, I didn't, want, I didn't want to sit near anyone because I really wanted to take in this moment. He said, because when I was their age, I didn't have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because the laws would not allow us to have this same opportunity that these individuals have. And he said, so not only was I excited that they were graduating and they completed what they started, but I was excited that we were in this space, in this place, being celebrated with everyone else. And so just having a conversation, it, it lasted maybe about 30 minutes. Okay. About different things that he was, you know, proud of. And he was like... In, now I can go in peace. Wow. And so it was, heavy. it was it was major, and I appreciate those opportunities. Even though I was trying to get out of that hot-ass cap and gown, yeah. um, I appreciate those moments where I can, I can observe or just see the pride and the power within that moment of hearing um, your beloved's name called, and they take those steps across the stage they receive something that they worked so hard for and just to see it on their face and just just to live in that moment i appreciate that so as um as a faculty member as an instructor as a coach or a counselor i see you i acknowledge you and i'm glad that you all are breaking the rules y'all are bringing in air horns Somebody brought in a confetti bomb, and oh, bro, hey, I, no. that's 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 the line. Like if the if the line has been, no. yo, brother Jay, if the line has been identified, the confetti bro, bomb at the if, graduation. If, if, if and people that know me personally know I hate confetti, I hate glitter. But in that moment, Word. I, I appreciated it. I feel you. It got on everybody, and I know people was pissed. There was this one little white lady that turned around and looked up, and like what the hell like she wanted to say doing? something, and then she realized maybe this ain't the time. Time, yeah. space, nor place. The hood was out. My brother, they had confetti <laughs> bombs. Everybody had one in their pocket. And I was like, yo, I appreciate it. But could you imagine what that will look like 
when your name is called and you walk across the line and you see all this energy just for you. Yeah. You know, the wild thing, and I, I observe in different cultures at, at commencement and graduation ceremonies, um, my Asian, my Asian population, all my Asian brothers and sisters, regardless of what country um, you're from, you know, they will make sure that their graduates have the big lays, the big lays. Yep. And I mean, like huge lays. The lay, some, some, some of the graduates have honor cords and all this stuff. And if you're getting a graduate, a master's degree, then you have a hood right, on. Right. But the lay so damn big, man. It looked like a damn Rick, uh, slick Rick chain. We letting you know we here. Yeah, we letting you know we in the building. We, we here. And, and it's we, dope. we acknowledge like a little, a little old grandma, a little old, uh, grandmother. She comes over to her her grandson, and man, she put on the damn lay look like a flavor flav clock, <laughs> <laughs> like straight up, man. It's wild, it's wild. And you know, um, uh, some of my Hispanic uh, brothers and sisters, their families come out. They got they got the El Salvadorian flags. Mm-hmm. You know, they got the Colombian flag. It's a celebration, man, and I, I, they talking, I appreciate it. They talking hella trash. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, you know, that might have been the first person Absolutely. in their family to to reach that, that kind of level. At the Nova graduation that I was at uh, earlier this week. Northern Virginia Community College, the second largest institution, uh, community college in the country. Holding it down for the community college. Absolutely. The um, One of the VPs for Student Affairs, I believe this was her. She got up and she said, when I say something that applies to you, I want you to stand up and I want you to scream, I am Nova. Mm -hmm. And yo, so like, she had my attention. I was like, yo, this is good. I am Malcolm X. (laughs) I am Malcolm X. I am Malcolm X. I am Malcolm X. (laughs) And so she was shouting out different things. And when she got to, I am the first in my family to graduate college. The whole damn place It was about 99% of the graduates that stood up, bruh. And so... Like recognizing that, then she recognized the dreamers. So individuals yeah. who were within the Dream Act, they stood up. The number of individuals who have been given access to higher education. Man, and I don't, I don't get on the political soapbox, brother Jay, but um, my dreamers need a pathway to citizenship. Absolutely, this is beyond bullshit at this point. Um, something needs to be done asap. Absolutely, and. And, and, you know, we're talking about the American dream, but for some it's become a nightmare. But to see them acknowledge in in a full capacity um, arena, um, people were standing up and cheering them on. It it meant something to me. You know, I'm a yeah. first-generational um, college grad as likewise, well. Likewise, likewise. And so it, it meant something to me, but not only did it, did it mean something to me to see them stand, it meant something to me to see the families of the graduates stand up and cheer on their graduates for being the first one in the family to, to, to prove that it can happen, it's possible, and to give the next generation something to look forward to. And that piece of paper belongs to everybody. Oh. You- I haven't, man, I, I, I got my, um, my undergrad degree in uh, 2002. Whew. My grad, you know what? <laughs> I'm sorry, you're right. What's that? Whatever, whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm embracing it. Y'all don't have too many grades, you know what I'm saying? I feel pretty good. That's that's good. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, but I got my undergrad degree in 2002, um, my graduate degree in 07. Um, my uh, degrees have never um, been part of my household as an adult. They belong to my mother. Yeah. <laughs> and she made that very, very clear. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's, it's dope being a, a first-generation college grad. Um, 
understanding you're standing on the shoulders of the people that came before you absolutely uh, came before you and uh, my grandmother didn't graduate from high school because um state of virginia commonwealth of virginia shut down the school system because they didn't want to integrate right mm. by the time they opened up uh, reopened schools my grandmother was uh, living a, an adult life and my grandfather had a uh, a sixth grade education eventually got his ged and so um every step that uh, i take is a step for us right not just me yeah and to really recognize that and so you know the i am nova and the, to see the whole place stand up and the families applaud them um we we are a product of the folks that have come before us yeah I, my mentor always reminded me uh, when he he had a sign on his door and when he would leave his office he would always touch it and i never really paid attention to what it was to one day i was walking and i looked and it was like i'm standing on the shoulders of giants yeah i'm standing on the shoulders of giants and to the ones that have come before me and the ones that shall come after me i live this day for you yeah and so just like every time he would touch it right he wouldn't touch his name plaque would had phd behind it mm -hmm. that wasn't important but he would touch that reminder and so like everything that i do in this predominantly white institution Right. As a tenured professor, I'm doing this for the people that couldn't get here and I'm doing this for the people that are on their way here. That's a tough that's a tough walk, man. I And I understand it and I appreciate it. But being being in that situation. Whew, it's it, it, it is it is taxing. No, oh, absolutely. It's, it's taxing, but a very, very, very um, necessary. And um, by the time this show hits the air um, we will be celebrating Memorial Day Yep. and um, today's episode we want to focus on um, it's May uh, it's Mental Health Awareness Month um, and we really want to talk about uh, grief and loss today and um, mental mental health awareness isn't just about someone being depressed it's not about someone being on medication. It's not so about someone being in therapy. Uh, mental health uh, really encompasses a wide variety of um, attributes, variables, symptoms, experiences that um, impact your ability to have a healthy mindset, mm. to live a healthy lifestyle. And, um, it's very uh, fulfilling for me that this episode will drop Memorial Day weekend. Um, I suffer from um, mental illness. Um, I suffer from uh, levels of depression, dystymia, uh, complicated grief and loss. Um, I've been on medication, Lexapro, Lamictal. Um, I'm here today on the podcast um purely by the grace of God uh, after a failed suicide attempt. And um, it's interesting to see mental health coming into the mainstream um, by celebrities, um, people that are really trying to put a, a light on um, mental health awareness 
And I hope it's just not for pop culture because um, mental illness isn't blood pressure. You know, it's not your blood pressure. You right. didn't break a leg. Um, it's, it's stated that if you get shot or you have an emotional breakdown, your brain doesn't process those two experiences any differently. Pain is pain. Right. And so um, the fact that this episode is uh, dropping Memorial Day weekend, um, I definitely want to uh, shout out my grandmother, Alberta Holmes, who uh, passed away 30 years, um, May the 29th, mm-hmm. 1989. And I think um, that significant loss in my life was the start of a lot of the mental um health um, complications that I've had that not only um, started during my childhood, but also followed me into manhood Mm. and has impacted and affected um, various relationships. And so um, for all of our listeners, I reached out to uh, Brother Jay, um, just coming from a uh, psychology background, and I asked him, are you are you ready <laughs> or do you have the capacity to handle this subject? Because I do want to shed some light um, because it's mental health awareness month, because um, there are a lot of people in my network, a lot of people in my circle who have lost uh, significant loved ones, spouses, children, parents. And um, I know what the hole in their heart, I know what that feels like from my perspective not theirs, and um, part of the mission of the Game Recognized Game podcast is to really just shed light on um, things that we can do to contribute for the healing and the advancement of our people, black men in particular, sisters as well, but um, we can only speak from our experiences, and so this episode uh, is dedicated to all of the um, listeners, um, all of the people that are um, battling um, mental health uh, related uh, symptoms and um, occurrences every day on a daily basis. Uh, And so with that being said, Brother Jay, um, how has uh, mental health and the the study of it and, and you really being um, in the trenches, working with individuals to help them have um, a good quality of life and to really try to live their best life. How has it impacted you? Um, I, I would say that it's, it's taxing. Um, it's taxing to help individuals through their their challenges their struggles um it's 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 challenging not to take on their burdens for them um it's taxing not to internalize the things that people near you are dealing with so that you can be present and assist someone with you know the process of counseling or the process of processing emotion or just um, getting to the place where 
you can accept what it is and work on what it can be. It's it's challenging and even when we were working with students, it's I would sometimes drive home in silence because I I have so much and it took me a while to get to the point to where um, I realized that my job isn't to take on the burdens of others so that they could live their best life. My job was to help them figure out how they carried the burden. Okay. Because it's not the burden that, that bears you down. It's the way you carry it. Right. And so figuring out how to manage through it. Um, one thing that I've noticed though, um, within my circle, within a lot of the individuals that I serve is that we have not been equipped. And this is for people of color to, to handle grief. Um, I, I hear conversations all the time that, oh, you've had enough time to deal with that now. It's time for you to, to get over it. <clears throat> right. And, um, that's an ouch for me. Okay. That's an ouch for me because I, someone who works in the mental health field, I, I have no permission to tell someone else how long they are allowed to grieve. No other human is permitted to tell someone that you've been grieving long enough. It's time to move on. Because... Everyone has different lived experiences. And you alluded to the fact earlier that, you know, some of your challenges or the things that you've recognized or identified stemmed from the death of your grandmother in 1989. 30 years later. Yeah, yeah, 30 years. Right, And so when things happen to us, if we don't unpack them at that moment, I'll give an example. When I, I one, I hate packing. <laughs> I, I absolutely hate packing. I'm going on a trip. I'm going out of the country. I'm going for two weeks. I'm not packing until like two hours before I leave for the airport. So I'm running around throwing all this unnecessary shit in my bag. Okay. Right? And so I'm taking stuff with me that doesn't necessarily need to go, but because I threw it in my bag at the last minute, I now have to bear the weight of it. Got you. Right? I get to the airport. They tell me my, uh, my bag is overweight. And I'm just like, ah, I can't take nothing out, so I have to pay for it. But I have to pay for it both ways. I'm paying for all this extra stuff that I'm carrying with me because I haven't unpacked it to find out, do I really need this, right? And then when I get home from the trip, I'll take the suitcase. I'll, sometimes I'll put it by the washing machine, you know, and so I'm like, all right, cool, I'll just dump everything in the washing machine. Sometimes I'll put it in my room, and I'll, or I'll put it in the closet. It took me like weeks to unpack some stuff. I, I don't. I didn't feel like it. I don't. I don't like unpacking. And so, if I don't like unpacking, um, you know, physical things, what does that say about some things that I need to unpack in my mental, or spiritual, or emotional realm, right? And so, when things happen to us, sometimes we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to process it and to actually be human and to feel whatever we're feeling. Yeah. Right. And so it's always said that, you know, life goes on and um, things are going to keep going. I know this is happening to you. Time heals all wounds. Yeah. You know, but you know, tomorrow's still going to be Sunday. 
But Sunday's going to look a lot different for me because I just lost something. And and I will also challenge that um, a lot of us think that grief only happens when someone passes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Grief can happen when you lose a job. Mm-hmm. Grief can happen when you... Um, when the relationship that you are in ends grief can happen when you have to move out of your childhood home into a new place. You have to relocate grief can happen when there are any type, any type of transitions in your life and there are stages to that. Right. Okay. And, um, we've learned that there are five stages to grief and, you know, it doesn't necessarily go in order. Okay. Some may go to step one, step two, and go straight to five. Some may go um, four, three, one, two, and may not ever make it to five. Some mm-hmm. won't even get out of the first step. Um, in in latter years, someone created a seven stages of grief. But I said that to say that the process has to happen. You have to allow yourself to to feel what you're feeling, to think what you're thinking, to experience what you're experiencing so that you can come out of it. And I think that we as humans do a disservice to our friends and our loved ones when we try to tell them how to grieve. When we try to tell them, you've been doing this long enough. You've been in here by yourself too long. Let me get you out. We got to go out. We got to be around people. We got to get you open these blinds, right? And so you have people with this commanding spirit, and they're not respecting the space that you're in or the process. It's like a butterfly, mm-hmm. right? And so a caterpillar will live its life, and then when it's time to transition, the caterpillar will start to gather some things and to build its cocoon. But it's only until um, the cocoon you know, within the chrysalis, when it's when it's changing, if I go to the cocoon and say, oh, it's time for you to come out now, it's it's time for you to be a butterfly, I'm stopping the process from happening. Okay. Right? And so um, in science class years ago, because clearly I ain't been in school for a while, <laughs> <laughs> ain't as long as you, but still. You know what? <laughs> it's all good. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take, take that. I'm going to take that. In science class, so the instructor, he cut open a cocoon and, you know, unwrapped it. And you you can see the beautiful butterfly has formed, but the butterfly could not fly, right? We learned that when it's time for what is inside the cocoon to come out, there will be a small opening in the cocoon. And the butterfly then has to force itself through that small opening to force the blood into the new extremities of his body. And so if there's no tight opening for it to go through, it doesn't force the blood into the wings. Therefore, the wings cannot move. Okay. Right? And so just like the grief process, we have to go through some things in order to get through some things. And so if we don't get put into those positions when we are dealing with with grief, then the level of or, you know, those new extremities that we're growing don't get what is needed and they won't be useful for us. And so that butterfly has developed some things, but because they didn't go through the process or they tried to rush the process or they tried to control the process, the butterfly will stay walking because the wings won't be of use. And when we go through things, we are growing different muscles so that we can handle 
things that come after this, right? And so thinking of some of the previous experiences that you've gone through and you may be questioning, why am I going through this? Why did I have to experience this? But then later on, or as my grandma used to say, by and by, (laughs) by and by, you understand, had I not gone through that then, I wouldn't be equipped to handle this now. But while we're in that moment of despair, we don't really think about what good is this going to serve me after a while. I just lost a loved one. Mm -hmm. I just lost my job. I just lost my house. I have to move, so I'm losing a part of my life. I'm not thinking about what tomorrow is going to bring because I can't even focus on the moment of today. And so recognizing that um, we as individuals, we need to be mindful um, of the process, but we also need to allow others to to endure their process. What what are the seven stages of grief? And I and it's there's a, a a lot of topics that we could have talked about today um, on this edition of the show around mental health awareness. Um, however. Um, Brother Jay and myself, we agree that uh, grief and loss, um, it's almost a uh, foundation for many. Absolutely. That um, leads to a lot of mental illness. Absolutely. Because we don't know how to deal with it. Because we don't know what the process is. Because people will say, well, weeping will endure for a night. But joy. But joy. Will come in the morning. And the thing about that is, thank I, you for that. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate. I appreciate those church cliches. Yeah. Because they do hold truth. But while I'm in the, while I'm in a pit, you know, um, black from pole to pole, mm-hmm. right? While mm-hmm. I'm in my Invictus moment, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear out of the night that covers me. Yeah, we we can go there if you yeah. want to. But I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to hear no Bible verses. I don't. I don't, I don't want to hear I've been there. I'm, I don't want to hear none of that. L- allow me to f- be human and feel what I'm experiencing. Yeah. Right? A- allow me that space to be, to just to be where I'm at. Because if you don't allow me to do that, then that's going to carry over into other things, right? I, I need to feel angry. If I'm angry right now, allow me to process my anger. Okay. Right. Be there to talk to me or or to listen to me. I may not want to hear anything you want to say, but I need to get it off my chest. And that's OK. Right. But allow me to be angry for I'm not going to be angry for a while. If I'm in a controlled space and you're with me, allow me to to communicate my anger. If I'm sad and I'm crying, allow me to get that out, because if I don't allow it to to come out, it's going to manifest its way um, it's going to manifest itself in different ways that I'm not going to be able to control. I'll give an example. When I went to um, went to the doctor when I was an undergrad, um, I was having chest pain. Bro, I thought I was on my way out. <laughs> so they was like, EKG. So I'm texting my mother. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I had to go to student health. They said EKG. She was like, she called me. She was like, what? Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. He was like, yo, your heart is good. The issues that you're having is acid reflux. And so he explained to me, he was like, because of the buildup, if you don't get rid of it, it'll start moving and causing complications in other areas of your body. Okay. And that's just like our emotions and our, you know, our feelings and our, our like, when we are overwhelmed with things, if we don't process it, it starts to show up with, in different ways. When you're stressed, right, you walk around, your tongue is clenched to the top of your mm-hmm. mouth. That's, that's 
and you wonder why you're tired because you were <laughs> biting your jaw. Right, you're uh, holding your hands together while yeah. you're talking, or um, when you're sitting, you're sitting a certain way, and like your, your your chest is tight. And so I told people, one, put your shoulders down, take the tongue from the roof of your mouth, mm-hmm. open your hands, relax. You walking around with all this tension, and because you've been doing it for so long, you don't even recognize you're doing it. And so you're wondering why you're tired all day, and you're using all these muscles in your body to keep your fists, your hands tight, right? You, you're walking a certain way. Your shoulders are high. You're holding in all this stress, and it's manifesting itself in different aspects of your life. And so allowing individuals to, to feel whatever they're feeling, no matter how long it takes. So you said, you know, something that the, the church folk, I, I love them dearly. They will always say, you know, weeping may endure for a night. May endure for a night. But joy. Come in the morning. And, and, the, and the thing that I tell people is the morning may not come the same time your morning comes. True. My morning may not come for five years, depending on what I'm dealing with. Now, what I do appreciate is that there is some truth to that statement. That the night will eventually end, and in the morning there will be joy. Mm-hmm. But for right now, my my night isn't going to be eight hours. When the sun comes up, I still may be in my moment of darkness. And I need you to respect that. I don't need you to tell me I need to hurry up and get over it. I don't need you to tell me, oh, well, when I had that, you know, I was only down for three days. You've been down for four weeks. It's enough. I need you to acknowledge that this is where I am. You need to pray on it. Right. <laughs> you're not right. doing it. You're not praying enough. You're not praying hard enough. Yeah. You're not praying to the right person. Mm-hmm. You're not saying the right thing when you're praying. Right? I, I don't need you to tell me how to get out of this. I need to be able, like the butterfly, to feel my way out. Because when my own grief cycle completes, I will be better. But I have to be able to endure it for myself. What is the cycle? What does the cycle look like? So, um... The seven stages of grief, um, the first part is when you you have that moment of shock okay. and disbelief. You are, you are paralyzed at um, the thought of hearing the bad news. And so it's like, hey, X, Y, and Z happened, and you, you, you feel it. And it's not just the thought. Your body goes through these cycles as well. And then, um, excuse me. And then you also, you go into the disbelief. I don't believe it. This ain't real, right? So you're trying to avoid accepting what is reality. Mm -hmm. And just thinking back to different uh, moments of receiving bad news in your head, you're like, nah, that's that's not real, right? Nah, they, they, they were good. I just talked to them the other day. The doctor said they was good, like X, Y, and Z. Bruh, I've been there. Right. Um, I just remember uh, I was married. Uh, my wife at the time um, said that she was pregnant with my son. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a job offer um, that was a significant increase in pay, okay. new position. And oh, by the way, um, my grandfather had stage four lung cancer. So, new baby, new job, ultimate transition that I wasn't prepared for. And during that time, um, when you think about being in a state of denial, Mm -hmm. 
was like, yo, this can't be happening right now. It's just, it can't be happening. It can't be happening. Why is it happening? Right. <laughs> you did start the question. Yeah. But then from that denial stage, you move into anger. Mm-hmm. And yep. you're, you're frustrated. Um, and all this bottled up emotion starts to come out. You're frustrated at um, some people I hear them say, you know, they're mad at God for this. Mm-hmm. Or they're mad because um, I told this person to go to the doctor a long time ago. Had they had gone to the doctor a long time. And so, like, you, you get mad at any and everything. Yeah. Right? Because you're still processing. And then once receiving that bad news, you get to this point, um, the next stage. And it may not happen in this same area for you. It may happen afterwards. But the bargaining stage happens. Right? Um, and you know, we've had the bargaining stage after a college party. God, if you help me through this, I promise you, I won't do it again. I, I, I please, I, all this, I, all this toilet seat <laughs> feels so good on my forehead. <laughs> I won't, I won't do it again. It's like, oh, if I, you know, God, if I do this, if, if, please let my loved one live. Yeah, please let this happen. If I, if I do this, or. Maybe if I can do this, then this won't be the outcome. And so we start to think of um, ways out of this situation. That was that was a thought that came to my head um, I, when I found out my grandfather had lung cancer, and it really because um, that was my that was my ace man, mm-hmm. like my best friend, um, and really my north star, I think, in my life. And I just remember. Uh, going into the bathroom and getting in the shower and just bawling, but I didn't want to cry loud enough so that my wife could hear me and ex-wife could hear me. And that was one of the things I said. I said, well, if he's going to die, please just let him live long enough to see my son. And that's all, you know, that was my prayer. It wasn't for him to get better. It wasn't for, uh, the pain to go away was kind of something I was upset upset by, but that was my bargaining chips. Like, I'll, I'll do anything, let him see my son. And uh, that was like the 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 focus that I had to help me kind of cope during the process. And and it's weird because we can't control it. Like yeah. you start thinking of just random stuff. Yeah, I ain't gonna drink no more. I, I'll give this up. I ain't, I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna talk this way no more. I I'm gonna. I'm gonna start going to church. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna just. Yeah. If only. Right. Um, but then after we get to that point, the next stage is depression because you start to accept reality, or you get to the point that this is real. This is real. Here, record again. That this is really happening. Yeah. It's about to happen. And so it's stuff that you can't control. And then you start to think about what's going to happen because I'm without X, Y, and Z. What will tomorrow look like? So all these thoughts start to flow through your head. And within that, Within that stage, um, being able to make decisions is poor. 
because you you're focused on the inevitable that's about to happen or the inevitable that has already happened mm-hmm. right um but then you start to think of possible solutions to get out of it um, which one of the new psychologists referred to as the testing phase okay and um you may or may not hit that phase but the final stage is the acceptance acceptance phase where i this is happening or this has happened okay sarah sarah what will be will be and and i think it's when you get to that point it's uh not to be cliche but it's when you can exhale as the waiting to exhale movie happens and you know when this happens you can get to the point where you can exhale and that exhale is you you are letting letting out of that depression you are letting out the frustration the questions the bargaining the denial the shock you're letting all that out and you are at a place where it's like it is what it is yeah this has happened i'm still here i have to accept it 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 it's happened it's real and for some people um like i mentioned before you may not go through all of the stages in a chronological order you may not hit all of the stages hell you may not hit some of these stages until after that traumatic event has happened and for some people some people are still in search of the acceptance part yeah right um you'll hear a lot of people saying closure so when people die um they say it's not real until you see them in the casket right or when you see the actual casket being closed Mm -hmm. or when you get to the graveyard and you have to leave it there like yo we've been doing this all right cool we can go to the funeral we can go to the viewing blah 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 all right cool graveside service was great ceremony uh, 21 gun salute we out wait you ain't putting this in the hearse we got to leave it here or for some cultures when they actually lower the casket that's when it's real mm-hmm. um you get that that closure to to acceptance um i remember when my grandmother passed away um, my grandmother was my ace boom coon, right? Yeah. We, we we would uh, walk the streets of Charleston. She was running errands. We'd go into the post office. I, that was her sidekick, right? Um, it was weird for me. I didn't get to the point where, I think because of everything that was going on, I was 15 or 16? 15. Um, and I didn't get to the point where you know, it happened, I'm over it, boom, let's move on. Because it was a slow progression. And so I recognized what it was, that it's here. But I don't think it really hit me until I was in college, right, years later. Okay. I don't think it really hit me that, yo, this this happened. This happened. Like, you know, I, I have pictures up. Um, I would sometimes think of some things, but... I think something happened to me and she was the first person that I would want to tell this to. Gotcha. And I think that was the moment where I realized this is real. Right. And so I relived emotions and feelings from that moment all over again. And I remembered it was finals week. And so I had finals. That's heavy. Right. And all this, it, it was random. It just randomly hit me. And I'm just like, what the hell? Like, where did this feeling come from? And then, you know, 
I'm studying psychology. I'm doing clinicals here. I'm doing this. And I realized I didn't have the opportunity to properly go through this process at that age. That's uh, that's a um, interesting point, um, because when I when I went through therapy, mm-hmm. um, so so many things hit the fan. Honestly, brother Jay, uh, it's something my ex-wife told me that I'll never forget. She said. Um, after your grandfather died, it was like you never came back, mm. which was powerful because I feel like um, you've seen um, you've seen uh, Infinity Wars, the Avengers movie, mm-hmm. and Thanos snaps his finger and people disappear. I really feel like something snapped in me and I disappeared for maybe four or five years straight. Uh but going through therapy and trying to figure out where all of this stuff stems from, um, the reason that um, I shouted my grandmother out at the beginning of the episode was because uh, I never went through grief counseling as a eight, nine-year-old mm-hmm. kid. Um, the feelings that um, I had, the sadness, the hole that was in my heart, um, I ignored it. Because I could see other people that were that were suffering mm-hmm. because of my grandmother's passing. She was forty seven at the time. My grandfather was fifty. They had been married twenty plus years, twenty some years at that time, and him never recovering from her uh, death. My mother never recovering from her death, and me, um, the person that I would lay in her lap. She was in a wheelchair. I would lay in her lap. And um, she rubbed my head if I had a bad day. And never really acknowledging that, damn, man, I'm I'm sad, I'm upset that she's not here. Mm-hmm. And I think as I got older, uh, never addressing that experience. Yeah. Um, so then when I meet my uh, ex-wife, at the time girlfriend, to-be-wife, as a freshman in college, it was almost like um, there was a kinship and a friendship, and I latched on to her. I latched on to her and, and didn't want to let go mm. because she brought me comfort. But that also was an impediment to our relationship because... I was depending a lot on her. And I, mm. frankly, she didn't have the capacity at that time to really deal with the stuff that I was going on. Right. Um, that I, was going on with me. And then when we get married, you bring those issues into your marriage. And uh, one of the pieces that really was challenging for me, I missed most of her pregnancy, honestly. Because I was working away from her. I was helping take to take care of my grandfather but I'm about to be a dad yo and so I had a lot of remorse um, and grief from a various angles mm. and then on top of that a year after that my father dies <laughs> 52 and so at that point by the time my dad died I was just numb right I was numb to everything and 
Um, we talked about practicing self-care and a lot of times we self-medicate and that's what I was doing, you know, going out to the happy hours and the happy hours turned into uh, late nights at the bar. Yeah. Closing it down with the staff. Absolutely. So, yeah. Hell, not, sometimes sweeping with the staff. Yeah. Well, not, since I'm here. And then going to breakfast with the staff yeah. or what have you and yeah. not, not wanting to come home and um, really uh, making a lot of decisions because I was in search of something to fill that hole that was in my heart. And um, it's a time in my life that I'm certainly not uh, proud of or, or bragging about, but I really think that those experiences helped me to understand the process of what people go through. Mm. And for me, um, you know, complicated grief and loss is the definition of it is when uh, the the grieving process lasts longer yeah. <laughs> than a year. Than, than what is traditionally yeah. seen as a process. Yeah. yeah. And my and, and, and Frank, to be frank, man, my grieving process was like 20 years mm. in the making, <laughs> 30 years in the making from from. And that's only from when you can try to pinpoint it. Yeah. Right. Some stuff may have happened that may be etched out of your memory. That could be added onto it, and um, I, it's where it's, this is a very strange fact. But my grandmother passed away October tenth, two thousand and one. Okay. And from there until I went to college in two thousand four, there were twenty three deaths within either the family, within the community, or within classmates. Okay. Right, and it was strange, but I kept all of the programs and i think it's a black thing we we keep, well, the, we keep the program we keep man the funeral programs right? i got programs from 20 years ago right and i'm and every, i'll be detoxing and getting rid of stuff and purging and, and i'll keep them together right and so 23 to the point where it wasn't what are you gonna wear to the next event it's like yo what what you gonna wear to the next funeral mm -hmm. and it got to the point where i became numb to it and i didn't allow myself to experience it but I also think back in retrospect, um, a lot of families of color, we don't really have conversations about it. We just, we let people do their own thing and they eventually come around to when we can start talking about the bereaved. Um, I'll ask if you okay and I'll start paying attention to details or to behaviors and patterns, but I'm not really going to check in with you on that much. Mm -hmm. Because I haven't been given no skills or it hasn't happened to me. And because I'm grieving, I can't check to make sure all these other grieving people are good. And so I've seen this. I've experienced it where everyone just goes in their own. They go back to their own lanes. To their own space. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're going to come together because this is what they wanted us to do. And we're going to make sure we get together on every holiday. We make all these promises before the person goes in the ground. And then when it happens... You know, those promises are just gone because it sounded good to, to say this during a funeral or it sounded good to make all these promises. But then you have everyone in their own separate areas, not calling each other, not checking on each other because we aren't equipped. And it's not an innate thing to do to, to help someone through this grieving process because I'm still trying to help grieve. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still trying to grieve myself. And so I can't help you grieve if I'm, I'm you know, I can't help you out of your, your process or your moment or your uh, state of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
state of being. Depression. Yeah, depression. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I can't help you out of your depression if I'm in a state myself, right? And so we have this inward-looking lens to where um, my house is on fire. I can't help you put your fire out, mm-hmm. right? When really we can work together and, and put out all the fires, but we don't have that that's not something we sit around and talk about. We can talk about spades. We can talk about bones on the table. We can talk about all this stuff, but we don't talk about how do you deal with loss and grief, right? That's just not something we talk about when we have a barbecue or a fish fry. Because we don't want to we don't want to ruin the, the vibe. Right. We but don't want to ruin not, the vibe. Not only that, because we haven't got to the point where we can talk about it because we're still dealing with shit. That has happened 30 and 40 years ago. Yeah. And because I haven't dealt with it then, when something happens 15 years later, all that happened 40 years ago multiplies what happened 15 years later. And then something happens two weeks ago and all that keeps culminating. And I don't know what to do because I have all this stuff that I packed and I'm carrying it with me. And going back to my airport analogy, I have to pay for the baggage that weighs too much for the plane. I have to pay for all of that. To and from. Yeah, to and from. And so it's costing me because I'm not unpacking what happened 40 years ago. I'm not talking about what happened to me 15 years ago or the loss that I'm experiencing. Shit, I'm not talking about what happened to me last week. But when stuff keeps happening, because that's life. Life keeps happening, and I don't have any room for it, right? It starts to go into places. It makes room in my own life. Cool, you don't want to deal with me? I'm going to insert myself here. So I'm at work. Sit up shop and, and put, put my feet up. Yeah, I'm yeah. at work going off on people because they ran out of uh, a certain snack in the vending machine. When really, I'm not mad because they ran out of Reese Cups. I'm kind of upset and disappointed, <laughs> right? Because that, that was my snack. But I'm I'm that was my outlet to get all this frustration. It's like a, it's like a soda. When you shake the bottle, when you open it, it's going to go any and everywhere. You can't control where it goes. And that's the same way with our emotions. Anybody can get it. Any and everybody yeah. can get it. I, I remember those episodes. I remember yeah. my mentor telling me, he said, if you don't know what you're fighting, anybody will get fought. He said, so you just out here fighting for no reason. And the thing that you need to be fighting, you don't have energy to fight because you've been fighting any and everything in your past. And so being able to deal with this is very important, very important, because it's weird to have this conversation with people if you never had the conversation before, right? You good? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, shit, what you want to eat? No, Mm -hmm. I need you to go back to the I guess part, because I'm not giving you an answer that that you can put your hat on. You're kind of glad that I didn't say no because I don't really know how to deal with this. And we still have this stigma within the black community about seeking mental health um, professionals to help with our shit that we are carrying. Because, bro, I'll be straight with you, man. Um, You know, people have told me to pray and go to God, and I've done that. Yeah. Um, But I think the, the formula... It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Absolutely not. And so, yeah, faith is uh, a very important part of the healing process. Um, Taking ownership and accountability to um, seek out professional help is part of the healing process. Yeah, you can have Jesus and the therapist. You can have Jesus and the therapist. In some cases, um, 
there's a, a chemical imbalance in your in your brain. Yeah. In your in your makeup. And so medication may be prescribed. There's nothing wrong with it. It is what it is. Um, yeah. Do you have to live a certain lifestyle or cut out poor habits? Absolutely. Um, but I think for me on this journey, man, um, it was the recognition that I was afflicted. Mm. It was the um, understanding that I was faint, yeah. or almost fainted. Mm-hmm. But it was also um, that accountability piece to um, really believe in the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Yeah. And with that, that also means to understand the goodness of a therapy session. Yeah. And understanding the goodness that maybe you need to be on medication or understand the goodness that you should be able to or have the ability to communicate, to express your thoughts. Um, And thinking about my grandmother uh, and watching my grandfather grieve from for 20 some years, man. He never got like my grand my grandfather never went back to sleep in his bedroom. The bedroom that him him and uh, my grandmother shared. He slept in the den on the couch. So much so when he got sick and he needed to be in the bed, he didn't want to sleep in the bed. He was like, I'll sleep in the recliner. I'll sleep on the couch. And it just wasn't good for <laughs> making him as comfortable as he needed to be. Right. And he never got over it and never uh, sought out assistance um, and kept it all in. And... Uh, that was something that was a learned behavior for me mm. and um, going through all of that and still ended up ending up being divorced because I was in my own way mm. and the same feeling I had when I was divorced and walking into an empty house was the same feeling that I had when uh, I walked into my grandfather's house and it was empty. It was the same feeling that I had when my grandmother passed away and I'm looking at an empty wheelchair. It was almost one in the same. And I just felt like it was building blocks. Mm. And uh, challenging for sure. I'm thankful that the experiences that I, I did have uh, really forced me to um, seek professional help mm-hmm. and to be able to take a breath and kind of unpack yeah. <laughs> everything that was in my, my baggage and my luggage that I was toting around everywhere, toting around to relationships, toting around to the bar, toting around to uh, the conversations that I was having with um, a wide variety of people. And um, for me, uh, grief and loss as, as part of, um, mental health awareness is important uh, because I see so many other people that are losing loved ones that are losing jobs that are losing homes that are um, trying to really get a better understanding of what is it that I do? What should I do? Because, you know, yeah, if joy comes in the morning right now, I'm living in hell on earth. I'm living hell on earth now. Right. 
I can't wait to get into the the by and by and and, and go up yonder. Right, because the now and now or the here and now is burning. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and so, uh, high level, what is it that people should be mindful of to take initiative to kind of do when they do suffer grief and loss? I think it's. I always say that it's it's good to talk to people. Okay. It's better to talk to good people. And it's best to talk to people who have your best interest at heart. Um, if I'm going through a divorce, I don't want to talk to someone who had a bad divorce process. Like, cause it doesn't have to be an ugly process. I don't want to talk to someone who, um, if they see their ex spouse on fire, wouldn't even piss on them. I don't want. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to someone that can help me unpackage, unpackage, unpack the stuff that I'm carrying. I need someone that won't infiltrate my process with your process. I need someone who can help me. Think through and, you know, dissect something so I'm not lumping everything together into a bad situation. Right? Divorce is divorce is divorce, no matter how you look at it. Right. And so there's going to be some moments of grief and loss and sorrow there. But it all doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I've known people who have had uh, divorces who. You know, they just sat down and be like, yo, listen, we should never done that. <laughs> this and, is a bad idea. And the other person start. was like, you right, you right, <laughs> you right. And they'll they'll laugh about it and they'll be like, so this is what we're going to do, right? They, they'll sit down, they'll plan it out. I've been in sessions where I'm talking to my to my clients and they're going through this and I'm just like, oh, I've only seen this on TV, mm-hmm. right? But it, it happens and they recognize it and to this day they're still like best best of friends they get remarried and everyone's real happy real weird but real happy <laughs> right because i'm sitting there like yo like the, the the wives are going shopping together and the husbands they're playing the golf or they playing ball or they going to the game together and the kids is growing up around each other and everybody goes to all the family functions i'm like yo this is some weird shit but I've seen an example to where it doesn't always have to end as if you get in front of my car, I might hit you mm-hmm. as my ex-spouse. And so having someone to talk to and then recognizing what's not normal. But then you have to ask the question, what is considered normal? Dude, I found out I, I didn't I thought I was normal. I don't think I was normal. No, I don't think I don't think so. Yeah. Well, let me let me let me let me take that back. Let me <laughs> say know. let me retract it I from the know. conversation. I don't know. Let me say what is not your normal way of thinking or acting. And so if I'm a people person, I like to be in these streets. It's summer nineteen. I'm it's about to get warm. Mm-hmm. We finna be out here, Kevin. But if you hit me up and be like, hey, Jones, let's go to this party, free passes, X, Y, and Z, and I'm like, nah, I'm going to stay in today. And that's not my normal, then that's that's when that's when your circle starts to lean in. Like, yo, you good? Are you not feeling well? And then I'll give you more context. All right, cool. That's on a Friday. The next week you hit me up and I give you the same answer, then that's an issue. 
that that happened to me. Um, I'm very fortunate uh, to have a uh, close band of, of brothers and, and band of, of, of people that genuinely cared about me. Because at one point, I thought nobody did. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought I was on this island by myself. Yep. And I would hide, man. If I could be in my bedroom, and I have dark, dark cur- curtains in the bedroom, and just shut the curtains and close the door, I would stay in the bed for a weekend. Because I knew, like, okay, I'm in this bubble. If I go outside... Somebody gonna talk to me. Or it's it's a uh, likelihood that something will happen that I can't control that situation. I can control being in my bedroom with the windows uh, closed in and being in a dark place. And um, one of the pieces that the therapist told me was you gotta get out. It was funny. It was funny. Sister, it, w- it was dope. So, if, you know, if you're looking for therapy... And seeking out therapy, you know, go go to somebody that you're comfortable with, mm-hmm. because um, I went to uh, a couple of different therapists, um, a licensed uh, licensed professional counselor, a licensed clinical social worker, uh, someone who was a, a a doctor that could prescribe, a psychiatrist that could actually prescribe medication. Um, you have to go to someone that you you're comfortable with. But I went to a a good God God fearing uh, faith based um, therapist, and she she chuckled. She said, "Well, you're already light skinned so you need to get some sun. <laughs> you're already sensitive. You need to get some sun because vitamin D helps with your mood. It yep. helps with your emotion. Are you sleeping? Nah, I'm tossing and turning all night. Well, you need melatonin, and you need to really." go and and figure out how you need to unwind you know you talked about that and the uh practice practicing self-care episode that you need to figure out how a, a way that you're comfortable to get sleep mm-hmm. you need to get sun you need to get sleep and this is before any meds were discussed or like what is my issue right the basis you need to you need to get sun you need to get sleep and um shout out to melanie man i, I she saved my life bro but Going through this process, um, I wanted to stay in my own bubble, man. I but I had people that would check in, and a lot of times I would lie. Oh yeah, well yeah, man, we going to X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I'll meet you up there. I'll be up there, and don't show up. No, you lie, a bald headed yeah. lie. Yeah, <laughs> but I knew if I told them I was coming, I was coming, then they wouldn't ask me no more questions. Yeah, that was like that was the zone that I was in. You know, and then I think the 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 crazy part, especially when I would have um, conversations with my son, like he, you know, didn't know any better, but not understanding what I should disclose, what I shouldn't disclose, mm-hmm. and um, even now, speaking with him about adult topics, um, he 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 senses your energy. Children uh, sense your absolutely. energy, absolutely, right? And so, um, I really just think for me. Uh, I'm using the I statement speaking from my own personal experience. Um, I think it was a combination mm. of all of those different things to get me at a place where I can recognize what's going on and take action on it, regardless of what that pathway may be. And um, I'm better for it. But I wouldn't be here today to be able to tell this story if I had not gone through all of the turmoil and all of the inner conflict. And I remember um, going through my divorce and, and having, you know, every 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 
conversation um, with my ex-wife uh, would just blow up. And I remember coming into the house one day and just sitting down and putting these thoughts in my head. Like, oh, well, you, you know, you're you nothing but a paycheck. You know, you could get a pay. They could get a paycheck from you if you're here or not. And starting to drop these statements into my head mm-hmm. and being being comfortable and being miserable <laughs> and it was a it was a black hole that for me you know you have to want to take control of the situation right and i was just grateful enough that i had people that i could rely on when it was that time so you know when you talk about talking to somebody but talking to someone good that could mean a therapist. It could mean someone that just has a level of empathy and understanding. And they don't necessarily, because I, I wasn't looking for someone to give me an answer. You know, I think it was more so someone to just check on me. To know that someone was caring. Yeah. Right. Because I, I felt valued at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. Th- they took the time out of their day, even though I'm lying to them and telling them I'm good. Yeah. Right. And But it's kind of like I'm just going to see how much I value to them. You know, what's my value to them? Are they going to ask me, knowing that this answer I just gave them is a lie, are they going to check back on me again? Yeah. And I think, you know, Lean On Me is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> but I always say everyone can't handle Joe Clark at the same time. And so when Sam's was caught with drugs and he... It's dre- killing your brain cells, yeah. son. It's killing your brain cells. Yeah, if you're going to jump, jump, damn it. <laughs> Do it expeditiously. Yeah, he said, <laughs> so on the unedited version, he said, don't F around with it. Yeah, me. don't fuck around <laughs> with it. <laughs> Do it expeditiously and get jump, it over yeah. with. And so I'm sitting here thinking if like... you're going to jump, jump. Well, damn, you... Bruh, like, that's not... But in, like, in that moment, that's what Tom and Sam's needed. Mm-hmm. But then thinking about, you know, different situations in my life or the ones that I'm dealing with with some of my clients or some of my my colleagues or people within my circle, I can't hand them a Joe Clark response all the time. And so knowing that if I ask you if you're good on Monday and you tell me you're good and you're lying, I'm going to respect that. But then when I hit you up again and you give me that same lie and that's not how you normally answer okay, now I got to be that guy that's just going to pop up at your hours. Yeah. Right? And you, you may be pissed off at me. You, you can you can cuss me out. You you, you shoot at me. That's fine. Cool. I'm going to be back on Friday. And I'm going to check on you. And knowing, knowing as an individual, sometimes that's what we need. We need someone that's going to put up a fight for us because right now we're feeling like, we, we got nothing else to live for, right? We we are in situations to where it's like, yo, I don't even have the energy to to, to fight my way out of this and situation. And what's the point of fighting? Right, if I'm going to end up in another situation. Yeah. Because it happened to me 30 years ago when X, Y, and Z died, or then I lost my job 12 days ago, and then I lost my, you know, ended my relationship yesterday. And like, yo, every time I try to fight to get out of it, I, I fight my way into something else. So what's the point of fighting anymore, right? And so a lot of times we just need to know that we got some fighters in our circle. I, one of my best friends lives across the country. We don't talk as often as we did when he lived nearby. Um, but if shit hits the fan, you know, it ain't nothing but a flight. Yeah. Right, and he's crazy enough to get in the car and drive, crazy, cross country. <laughs> That's I, a hell of a drive. A hell of a drive, yeah. right? I think I would only do that in in case of a, a dire emergency. Ain't no flights going. I ain't finna drive three thousand miles. Cause 
I'm, I'm a fly. I'm a fly. <laughs> but if it need be, let me for the record, if need be, I'm a I'm, I'm a drive. I'm be mad, but I'm a drive, right? Um, but I know I got some people that are some fighters in my corner, right? Um, the sad part is everyone ain't within a 20 minute radius of getting to me in case I need something, but they will get here as soon as possible as if they are within 20 minutes. Yeah. Right. And so making sure that you have people around you that are going to fight for you to get out as well. I don't, and I may not need you to hit Goliath. I just need you to point me in the direction of Goliath because I may be in this area to where I can't see the forest or the trees right now. I, I may not be able to recognize who my Goliath is. Your job ain't to fight my Goliath, but you can point me in the right direction. Right. Or if I can't reach the stone that I'm supposed to use to slay Goliath, kick the stone my way. But I but I need to make sure that I'm around people that that are going to be fighters for me so I can get out of this. Because ultimately, if they were in the same situation, I would be fighting for them. Right. So talking to people, making sure you are around the right people, but also making sure you are going around or going to places that has the right energy. We were having a conversation the other day, and when you're going through stuff, you don't want to talk to nobody else that's going through something else, right? Like, if I call, there's a, there's a few individuals that I know that every time I call them, they always got shit going on. And so whenever my phone ring, I look at them and be like, Mm-mm, not today. <laughs> not today. Not today. I just Get want, behind me, <laughs> Satan. I just, I, just want, I just want the lottery. <laughs> you know, I'm walking around with new money. <laughs> I, I done filled my gas tank up, and yeah. then you're going to call me, and you're going to, you know, not today. I'm sorry that you've got to talk to my voicemail, but I can't, I, I don't have it. I don't have the energy to, to hear your darkness. And I think a lot of times we feel, um, you know, I talked about this a couple episodes ago, but checking in, like, if kind of Check like, on your strong friends, Yeah, man. but checking in to make sure, like, yo, before I unleash everything that happened to me today, are you in a place to hear this? Because if we both are in the muck and mire, we both are in the pit, uh, black as a pit from pole to pole, I, you, you just made me more depressed, mm-hmm. right? You Now, because not only am I sad because I can't help you, I'm sad because we both sitting down here and ain't nobody coming to save me. And so controlling access when you are in a place that you need, like when you are in your cocoon, limit your access and accessibility. Right. I, my phone goes on. Do not disturb when I'm, when I'm in that place to where I need to process for myself. I don't answer phone calls. I don't give explanations. I, I limit who has contact or access to me. Social media not a good place to it's not to air out those grievances. It definitely either. isn't. Now mm-hmm. you can private message somebody, mm-hmm. but right, but posting it on your public status and all that other stuff that's not therapy. That's not therapy, and that may do more harm than good. Mm-hmm. Now, if there's like, I don't know, maybe putting out a post seeking, hey, who's available for lunch on such and such date, right? Versus you know, telling all your business. But if you feel that that's your only avenue to get, um, you know, that interactive stuck in the mud to wave your hands to say I'm stuck, then by all means use it, right? I just don't, I don't advise putting all your details on social media. But definitely um, limit your accessibility to people. I stop going to events. When I know I'm not in a good place, I turn down invitations. You don't want me there in this state. 
Nah, you want me to come here? Who speak? Nah, you don't want me. Nah, not not today. Maybe next week, but today's not one of those days you want me there. Um, and then just handle what you need to handle, but also uh, hold your hand out for help. I don't I don't know you're hungry if you don't tell me you're hungry. And so, not knowing you're hungry, I'm not gonna bring you food. And if I can't cook, but I know someone who can, then you by, t- by communicating your need to me, if you're in my circle, you're my brother, you're my sister, you're my family member, um, colleague, close confidant, you're in my inner circle, then my obligation is to make sure that the need you communicated is taken care of. That's my obligation because you're in my circle. I may not be able to do it, but I'm, I know someone know someone who may know someone else that can help you with that what do you think about faith and um the old adage that you know if you pray hard enough all of that will go away how how important is faith in the equation i would say faith is extremely important um, I'm, but I'm not going to go the religious route. Okay. Right. What I will say is, you know, I'm a Baptist boy, so faith is the evidence of things not seen. No, mm. the substance of things substance not of seen. Hebrews 11. 1. Yeah. Thing, faith is the substance of things not seen. The evidence. No. What is it? Faith is the substance, substance of, of things, things hoped for and the, the evidence, evidence of things, things not seen. seen. There it is. Yeah. We're going to edit that. So uh, it's over my heart. So knowing that. I also believe that faith without works is dead. I can have faith that I'm going to win the lottery, but if I never play, (laughs) I I can't win, Mm -hmm. right? I can have faith that I'm going to pass organic chemistry, but if I don't go to class, if I don't study to show myself approved, I'm not going to pass the class. And so having faith is good, but working with the faith is even better. And so you've been given these these tools, or as someone once told me, you have everything you need in your birthday basket, the things that you were given when you were born. You have it, you just got to use it. And so you got to have faith. You got to have faith in something. Mm-hmm. And, and as people, we always, we need something to believe in. And so with that faith, you have to have action. And so I... I can I can be faithful that um, or deeply embedded in my faith to know that, you know, as my grandma said, by and by, when the morning comes, everything's going to be all right. I got it. And I'm going to believe that. But I can't sit back and just think that it's just going to happen because I have faith. You got to do some work overnight. Absolutely. Yeah. Joy is going to come in the morning. Okay, cool. But what's going to happen for me to get to this joy? I got to go through my moment of sorrow. Right? I, the sun won't shine until the moon goes away. Right? And the stars only shine at night because they receive light during the day and energy from the day. So stars shine in the darkness. If it wasn't dark, we wouldn't see the stars. And so knowing that darkness is needed for us to get to the sun. We we can't have one without the other. And so, um, you know, joy and pain, sunshine, rain, we mm-hmm. got to have it all. Mm-hmm. It's more than a song. 
Yeah. Man. You got to have the yin with the yang. You have to be able to take the good with the bad. But also you have to be able to to learn from it and to recognize that it's not your punishment, but it's propelling you into your purpose and your promise. I um, struggled with that. But I think part of the acceptance mm-hmm. that you talked about, I'm in the seven stages of grief, is just that. You're going to experience challenges and struggle. And that may mean a death of a close one or a loss of a job or a failed marriage. Um, it's going to happen to everybody mm-hmm. at some point. Yep. Something that, to in your opinion, is the worst thing ever. And if it hasn't happened, <laughs> it's gonna happen. Yeah, my grandma would say, just keep on living. Keep living. Keep on living. It'll happen. Yeah. And so, um, part of the lessons learned for me was really just finding that balance to understand that it's not all doom and gloom. Um, but you talked about gratitude. We talked about gratitude. Is as, it's as, as interesting the self care episode is playing a significant part in our discussion today but thinking about gratitude and understanding that though uh things aren't working out to look behind you to see what has worked out previously absolutely because that gives you the hope mm-hmm. right that that gives you the evidence of things hoped for that helps you with the hope that you have experienced tribulations and that those tribulations produce perseverance and character and hope. Yep. But you have to look behind you to understand what needs to be unpacked and what needs to be um, thrown away. Yeah. And what needs what where you need to be bandaged and helped. And a lot of times we we don't want to for for instance when I meet with some of my clients who are hoarders, they are attached to stuff that has sentimental value. I had one of my clients bring in a straw wrapper from McDonald's on his first date with his first wife. And I just looked at him. He told me where the McDonald's was, Mm -hmm. what they talked about. And it was important because, um, that was the first thing she gave him was that straw. Now, mind you, he's been married two more times after that. And so I'm trying to okay. find okay. the significance okay. in this rapper. He's so asking I, for help. He's asking for help, Ronald. So he's, I, he's talking to somebody good. He's so, asking for help. <laughs> so I asked him, <laughs> I said, what would happen if I take that and throw it away right now? And his face looked at me like, that, that ain't what you want, bro. He's communicating with yeah, needs. Yeah. <laughs> and so I said, I'm not going to throw it away, but I'm, I'm curious as to you. Have you shared with your current wife or the wife before this one, what this means or why you have it? She's like, I, I, do you want to do that? She was like, he was like, no, no one knows why I have it. I said, oh, okay, cool. Um, how have you kept it this long? And so he was going through and he, he would keep things that have sentimental um, meaning to him but then he we would unpack it and why was that date so significant and then we started talking about what was happening at the time when you met this individual and you were going on a date that 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 i understand it though right because i party my ass off every memorial day weekend 
not because Memorial Day is the the best holiday. Right. Um. Yeah, it kicks off the summer kind of, but I party in commemoration of what I lost. Yeah. Every summer Memorial Day, and some 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 parties go well. Some I've been in a stupor somewhere. Yeah. And it it was. It was an interesting conversation, but when we got to the end of the conversation, he said, I now recognize that I can hold on to memories without holding on to things. Right? Because he said, the question that you asked me, he's like, I I was ready to punch you when you said, what would happen if I just throw that away? Mm -hmm. He said, but now I, I see what you were getting me to think about. The memories don't go away because the object is no longer there. But then he's like, well, what will happen when I get to the point where I can't remember? And without a visual representation, I won't be reminded of what that means. I was like, you would never lose it. You just maybe not be able to access it as freely. But when you really need to, it'll happen. It'll it'll come to you. Right. And I was thinking about some of my um, some of my clients or individuals that I know that suffer from like dementia or Alzheimer's and stuff that they can remember and recall when it's needed. Mm-hmm. Not when you want them to, but when it's it's needed. It was kind of like it was like divinely put into their head for this moment. Say this or recall this. And I said, so when 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 you need it, you'll have it. But being able to say, I don't necessarily have to have something in the physical that will take away the mental and equating that to death right i my grandmother is gone my grandfather is gone but that doesn't mean that the memories of them are my sad my sad music man <laughs> your sad playlist your sad, sad playlist my sad christmas my sad tree. hey my sad playlist <laughs> man my sad christmas tree. i'm telling you my sad playlist makes me feel good because right. those are memories yeah those are songs that i could i they were in a good mood so i was in a good mood yeah and so it's things that we can we can connect. And I'm happy to say that that particular individual has gotten rid of a lot of stuff that he was holding on to. I mean, he would hold on to random, random items. This was the pencil that my son gave me. Um, and that day I couldn't find a pen for my application, but I remember that I had this. And later on that week I got a job and it helped us to, to move out of the area we was in. I got a house and was able to get it. And it had it not been for that pencil. That's a hell of a number two pencil, bro. Let me tell you something. I need to find a pencil like that. <laughs> I, 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 said, <laughs> I asked him if I can hold it for a couple for minutes. For real. Before you get rid of it, let me hold it for a couple <laughs> I got a few things I need to write. But just seeing how that could just naturally start to occur and you're holding on to one thing and you're conditioning yourself to continually to do it over and over and over and over again. Um, but just being able to, to accept the fact that just because something is not in the physical doesn't mean that it vanishes from our mental. Um, and faith, we can't see it, but it's there. Yeah. And so recognizing that, yes, I have the faith to move mountains, but if I don't go up to the mountain or if I don't speak to the mountain, then the mountain will never go. And, I, and you know, with, with the mental health thing, um, a lot of people say, you know, I had a mental breakdown. And I said, yo, a breakdown is needed for a breakthrough. Right? And so you can't, you, you sometimes can't go into the next season of your life in in disarray because you haven't processed or unpacked whatever's here. So sometimes breakdowns are needed so you can get through your breakthrough. 
I've certainly been broken. I I have, but I also um I'm in a better space now. Yeah. Cuz even now I can have I have better conversations um with my son's mother, my ex-wife. That's interesting, ex-wife son's mother. It's it's a interesting term. But when you think about it, right? Think about the analogy of the glow stick. In order mm-hmm. for the glow stick to shine, it needs to be broken. Yeah. And um, I heard this from, we went to a pottery party and someone said, I broke, I broke it and I need it. He's like, that's okay. He said, cause the more broken it is, the more precious it is in the hands of the potter. And I was like, Ooh, that's heavy. Yeah. And so the more broken we are, the more we are able to be molded into whatever, whatever it is that we need to be for the next season. And so those situations are molding us every time we, you know, we're broken at this moment or we had a tragedy here, so we break here. And then it's like within that breaking, that's how we're able to get to whatever we need to. Or that's how the light begins to shine from the glow stick. And so um, even for um, the cocoon, you know, light doesn't come through until there's something that's broken. Mm-hmm. And so I think the brokenness, the process, I think that's needed. But I also think that's what we are afraid of. What happens when we don't want the pain? Oh, we don't want the pain from it, man. You know, if there was an easy button, hell, everybody would want it. Yeah. You know, think about the NBA, right? Think about the NBA and this concept of super teams. You know, you would you would assume that when LeBron went to go join D Wade and Chris Bosh, that it was the it was the road on easy street. But they had some difficult times before they started gelling. To win, and everybody gives Kevin Durant flat because he went to Golden State when they were already a good team, but they needed him just as much as he needed them. Right, and this was a, it's a process, and so um, I think nobody wants to be uncomfortable, but you can't grow unless you're uncomfortable. Yeah, nothing grows in a comfort zone. Yeah, and even the seed, right? The the things on the inside of the seed can't can't come to fruition or the things on the inside of the seed, the process can't happen until the shell was broken. Mm -hmm. And when the shell was broken, everything that's on the inside comes to the outside and that's how things start to happen. What could you recommend to individuals that know they need to do something, but for whatever, for whatever reason they can't act on it to, um, seek out the help or tell someone or um, communicate what is really needed. Like, what is the kick in the ass that people need? I, I would say that um, what they can do is a lot of people feel more comfortable via text. So text someone that you feel comfortable talking to. Mm-hmm. Text someone and then if you know you and your girls like to go to brunch, all right, cool, let's go to brunch. But then let's have a moment to where we can have a conversation. Um, or if you know you want to go to this new restaurant, invite someone that you want to um, be your accountability partner for your mental wellness. Go to the new restaurant, check it out, and then bring it up in conversation. Um, the people... And, and you'll know who to talk to, right? I, I got some friends. I, I can't talk to them for shit. <laughs> I, I, and, 
<laughs> man, I love them. I, I, I love them. You, you um, limited access. You li- that's hell li- yeah. Limited access, man. I can't, I can't call them. For, I, uh, not when I'm in a moment of despair. Those <laughs> fill in the blanks are not individuals I can call. But they're consistent, right? And so yeah. I respect them for that. I know I can call them for other things, but not that, right? And so some people are like, why are you still friends with them? Because I need friends for different aspects of my life. But I got friends that I, I, I can't call you when I'm going through stuff. I can't. I can't. Because either you're going to uh, take away what light I have or you it, or you going to make me angry, right? And so now not only am I in this dark pit, but when I see you, it's me and you. We're going to be friends later, but I'm going to give you two pieces to right to the face. Right. And so invite them out, have a conversation, send out a text. Um, Or if you don't want to talk to people that you know within your circle, seek out individuals that you can talk to um, that have those safe spaces that are mental health professionals. And if you don't want a mental health professional um, because you still have this stigma of I don't need mental health practitioners Mm -hmm. talking to me, telling me that I'm X, Y and Z. um, If you have individuals at your church that you can talk to or just maybe someone that you feel comfortable or you know that they give good advice or can help you right i there's a lot of people that reach out to me and um, say hey i'm in x y and z this is what i'm dealing with do you know anyone absolutely right and a lot of times when they ask me that question do i know someone um, i don't take it as an opportunity for me to one to find out what they are looking for, what has happened, right? I don't, I don't come from a place of curiosity. If you don't tell me, that means you don't want me to know. But if you're looking for someone else, then I will connect you with someone else. Um, I try to respect the space that you're in, but I also, I also try to respect the request. Um, but, but say something. Wave your hands, right? If you're in the middle of the ocean and you, you, you and a lifeguard is coming or a helicopter is coming to save you. And you just standing there blending in with the water. You short, like a midget in the dunk contest. You're not gonna make it. I think it's I think it's little people now. I think it's little people. I don't think I think midget is it's not PC. That's fair. This ain't a PC show. I know, but I think well, you know, I, I will I will I take that. Because you said something earlier. You said something earlier about giants, mm-hmm. and then you know Jay Z says you know a midget standing on the shoulders of a giant can see farther than a giant. That's fair, but you know, I don't. I said, well, I, I don't think you can say midget anymore. I think yeah. it's little people, okay, or small people. I don't know. I don't know if that's completely accurate. That's fair. But I don't know. If, I don't I'm know. A, I don't know if midget is one of those words that it's like, you know, you can't say it anymore. That's fair. I like, would, is I would, it a medical term or is it something derogatory? I would take that. Into I'm not consideration. sure. I'm not um, sure. But when I use that analogy, I'm yeah. going to use midget. Yeah, it sounds better. It, I mean, that's what it is. That's what it was taught to me. Yeah. Um. What was I? Midges and dunk contest. Midges and dunk contest. Yeah. Um, what was I before that? If you don't wave, ask for help. You yeah, start, you're in the got, ocean. It, see, got, this, got it, got see, it, got see, it. This is, this, see, you the yin, you the yin, I'm the yang, man. That's, that's why this so, works. So this, that's why if, this works. If you're not waving your hands when the helicopter is coming, you're not going to be saved. And a lot of times people are paralyzed and they can't. But, bro, I guess that's the part. Like, if, if, if people are paralyzed and... What what can you do if you know someone needs help but doesn't ask for it? Because it's a fine line, to, you know, as far as being supportive yeah. and then being intrusive. 
you know. And and so, I, I think it depends on who you ask. I I've breadcrumbed individuals. And okay. So cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if they bite this. All right. Cool. I'm gonna leave another one. And once they get to a certain point, I'm checking, making sure. But if they get to this fourth breadcrumb, and I know that the bread is what they need, then then that's when I become intrusive. Mm-hmm. Intrusive with intent. Right. I'm only being intrusive because you're not telling me, but I see that you're in need. We don't need people to get out there and be busybodies and getting people business. Right. And, and you do stuff your way. Now, yeah, you, that's you, not what I, we're saying. You need to do something <laughs> out of concern, not of not out of curiosity. Yeah. And so um, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to tell me everything. Right. I'm I'm not going to ask you to tell me anything. But when I notice that the bread is disappearing, that means that it's, it's evident that the bread is needed and so my obligation at this point is to make sure that you can if i can't give you more bread i can get you access to the bread or showing you how you can make your own bread but bread is needed as as black men brother jay um i I think you and i cut a little differently you know we can have this conversation Mm -hmm. um how does one get over the awkwardness of saying, you know, I'm not right in my head right now. I'm not, you know. I think. Because for me, I sought out help because I'm like, yo, I can't I can't be who I need to be for my son. Like, if it wasn't for my son, you know, hell, I might still be in that dark room with the blanket over my head. Right. But it was like, yo, I, I, knew, the, I, knew, the, I knew what it felt like when I saw my grandfather grieving and I was my son's age. And like, damn, he, yo, something's wrong. I don't know what it is. Right. And I knew, I knew I didn't want my son to be in that environment. So it was something that I had to do. So that was something that lit a fire under my ass to say, you know what? I got to go and, and seek, seek support that I hadn't explored previously. I think we as black men, we would, we just need to get over the awkwardness or we need to focus on the freedom of getting help. Um, and I, I, I think about um, a lot of stories about Harriet Tubman, and she said I was focused on the freedom. I wasn't focused on the fear of getting caught or the fear of getting lost or the fear. I was focused on what was mine to get, mm-hmm. right? And so focusing on the freedom that can come to you by getting <laughs> the help, by telling people yo I, I said i was good on monday i'm lying like shit i ain't good yeah right and this is what i'm dealing with but getting over that because if you don't say something you will never see something i um i was on medication at one point mm-hmm. and um eventually got off of the medication um because i think it was the episodes that i was having was somewhat situational um when you are considering going and seeking out professional help and medication is becomes a part of the conversation, mm-hmm. um, how can you handle that conversation to really make a, a choice as to whether or not you have to um, adopt that level of treatment? Because the, the, I think one of the stigmas is, oh, well, you know, you're on medication, then, yeah, you just... You you really you really uh, out back. I don't think that's the case. I I ask people, do you take medicine for a headache? Do you have a cold? Do you take medicine? 
um, if you have surgery and you have pain, do you do you take medicine? And so the pain of mental health, as the young folks say, it hits different. Mm-hmm. And so when someone informs you that this area is injured and it needs some type of rehabilitation and that this medicine can help. Um, I think it's something that you should strongly take into consideration. You should also consider what will it look like if I don't take it? Because at this point, yes, you should be focusing on yourself. But like you said, you were focusing on, yo, my son is seeing me go through this. How would this affect him or how would this impact him if I continue on this path? Right. If I'm if I'm married, what will this look like to my wife? What what will it look like? What will this look like to my children or my family? Or like what what will all this look like? Because I don't want to be selfish and say I don't want to do this because X, Y, and Z when I have children looking up at me, unaware of what I'm dealing with. But I've been given an option to where I can manage the things that I'm dealing with. And help me hold it together until I can get it together. So I think it needs to be strongly considered. Um, but just like a vitamin, you take vitamins to um, reinforce your healthy state. Yeah. Right? And so I think the stigma needs to to go away. I think the stigma is what's causing a lot of the issues within our community especially as black men and i think when you snatch back the power um, that the stigma has taken away i think that's when you can get in control of your mental health and you can be well not just for yourself um but for but for the village and you know you you uh if you don't seek out the help then of course the matter could only get worse. Absolutely. Um, you know, brothers uh, commit suicide um, at a rate that's four times higher as the sisters. Yeah. Um, oftentimes when black men commit commit suicide, it's reported as um, an accident, um, investigated as a homicide, and sometimes not reported at all. Right. And so it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my hope for, uh, this episode is to, um, really just give folks tools that they can use or at least, uh, a better understanding or comprehension to recognize when a loved one or a friend, uh, is going through, uh, whatever mental health bout that they're facing. Right. And it's not, um, weird because it, it happens. <laughs> It shouldn't, you know, that person shouldn't be looked upon as being weird right. or awkward or crazy or, um, you know, unnatural. And I think I think that comes from things of the unknown. So if I if I've never experienced that or I've I've never you know had that happen to me or seen it happen to others, then you know that's that's the unknown. That's weird. That's that's crazy, right? Well, why is it crazy? Is it crazy? So am I the crazy one because I'm experiencing it? Or are you the crazy one because you have yet to identify that you are experiencing it? Right? And so we we sometimes cause a lot of the issues within our community 
because of the mouthpiece. Yeah. Right. And so if it's something you don't know about, shut up. Right. You don't you don't know how to handle someone that says they are bipolar. Right. And so every time they do something that's you consider to be different, you blame it on bipolar. No, maybe they just move different. Right. Or if they communicate that they're having some other type of mental issue or, you know, suffering from another mental illness, learn more about it versus always labeling what they do as a symptom of what they are battling with. And if anything, um, how do you uh, recognize the warning signs? Because uh, what I've seen happen from my own personal experience, not necessarily with me, is someone will say, well, I did this because I'm bipolar. But going back to something you said previously, you know, you have to have faith. You have to have actions behind that faith to address whatever those concerns are or mm-hmm. your what, it, what your need is. Um, how do you recognize when someone really needs assistance versus people just the power of the lip, just talking for the sake of talking? I, patterns and behaviors. Going back to patterns and behaviors, um, listening to the way they're describing stuff. So if they feel like um, they if, if they vocalize that they feel that they are helpless or they are going through something that's like unbearable, like this is unbearable pain or um, I don't know how I'm going to make it out of this. Um, Definitely communicating that they feel like they're being, I don't want to be a burden to anyone else, right? Signal phrases. Now, this isn't an exhaustive, exhaustive list, but it's, it's, that's the moment where you're just like, oh, maybe I need to lean in just a little bit more. I need to have more intention. Like, why do you feel that you are a burden or what does this look like? What does this mean? Um, definitely increasing the use of alcohol or drugs to self-medicate. Mm. If you and I go to the bar every Monday uh, we have a drink. We talk about some stuff. We, uh, Bar Louie, great tater tots, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, great tater tots. Drinks are better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but then you hit me up on Tuesday. I go on Tuesday. All right, cool, Kev. We can go back. You like the tater tots. But then, then I look up on Saturday at my Capital One statement, and we've been every damn day. I need to, I need to lean in. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the reason we are here every day? It's not because you're lazy and you don't feel like cooking. Like, what's, what's the reason? And so leaning in more. Also, um, I would say social withdrawal. If, like, withdrawing from social activities or um, things that you would normally do. If I say, hey, we're going to hit up. Uh, an example. That was a bad example. Uh, I caught it. I caught it. Hey, we're going to hit up. Um, we went hit up the Cheesecake Factory, and I know you love cheesecake, right? But you, every time I ask you, you say no. I'm like, ah, this is a problem. Kevin never turned down going to the Cheesecake Factory. They got good happy hour drinks, too, by the way. Mm. Um, but noticing that, you know, not accepting invitations or socially withdrawing, um, being anxious or uh, agitated, easily, easily um, anxious or agitated, another sign that um, – something may be going on and then extreme mood swings. We sitting here having a conversation and then two seconds later, you knock all this shit over. Right. First, I'm going to look at you like, bruh, but then I'm going to have a question like what caused you to do that? Because that's, that's abnormal. That's not normal behavior for you. You've never done something like that. And so paying attention and observing how people are moving. 
And I'm not saying that um, if you decide that you no longer want to go to happy hour, that's that's different versus you you just withdrawing yourself from that atmosphere. Um, I'm going to lean in a little bit more. I am grateful that I have a level of understanding um, from my own experience and information that um, you've presented today. Mm-hmm. Um, what can someone do if there's no one to turn to, no one to call? What resources are available? Is there a hotline? Is there absolutely a website? Is there something that we can communicate to our listeners that, you know, at bare minimum, if it's uh, someone is in dire need of assistance, definitely call 911 yep. if they require medical attention. Um, what are some of the, the organizations that they can reach out to to get support? There's, um, there's an organization that we worked with um, that basically... Um, helps individuals who are considering suicide, helps individuals who may know someone who is considering suicide, helps individuals who have been affected by acts of suicide. Um, and so there are several organizations locally, nationally, and globally that will assist you. Um, one that definitely want to shout out is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And it's 1-800-273-8255. That's one eight zero zero two seven three eight two five five. That is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. So if you feel like you don't have anyone that you can talk to, you're feeling um, as if all hope is lost or you are alone or um, just in a dark place, definitely reach out to different hotlines. Um, pointing that one out. Um, it's 24-7, it's confidential, it's private, but it also can help you identify other agencies or organizations that can help you in terms of processing what you're dealing with. Um, and for some that say, I'm not on that level in terms of you know thinking about suicide or other things, there are several organizations, um, nonprofits that we can post on our social media as well as our um most can, definitely. Yeah, you can reach out to us via email. We can connect you with that. But the most important thing is that you utilize your resources. Google um, mental health awareness or mental health um, crisis line. And anytime you feel that your life is being impacted, you don't know where to turn to, utilize it. That is a crisis. And, you know, if you don't want to reach out um, on social media, you certainly can follow us and, and contact us at GRGRLJKEV on all social media platforms. If you want to send an email, um, you can email us at GRGRLJKEV at gmail.com. Um, seek help. You know, we use Alexa for a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Alexa and Siri. And Siri. Have Alexa and Siri shout shout some resources out for you um, as well. And uh, pointing out the shirts that we're wearing oh, yeah. um, when yeah. the video is posted, we are um, 
in the semicolon movement, and that's basically saying instead of putting a period there, put a semicolon because your story's not over. And going back to the butterfly, you know, just when um, the caterpillar thought his life was over, that's when he became a butterfly. You know, tough times don't last forever. Absolutely not. Tough people do. Yes, sir. And um, we felt... Uh, Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev. We felt that this was an important topic. Um, oftentimes, you know, we, we we got some jokes. We we got some uh, some uh, very opinionated feedback. But I really felt um, it was necessary to um, give people resources. Um, we care. People care about you. Um, it ain't. It, it it's not. Uh, something that's impossible to overcome. I really want everyone to understand that if you're suffering from depression, if you're suffering from grief and loss, if you are suffering and you don't know what you're suffering from, you just know something doesn't feel right. Um, ask for help. Uh, seek therapy. Tell somebody. Um, limit your access to bullshit. You know, social media has its time and place, but sometimes um you know, you you won't find all of the answers on Instagram. Correct. And um, if regardless of what your faith is, um, you know, you got to believe in something. You have to believe in something or you will fall for anything. And so um, on this edition of Game Recognized Game Podcast, we uh, salute all of the mental health professionals that are um, working tirelessly to help um, people in need. Um, We salute all of the um, individuals that are suffering from mental illness um, and the fights that you overcome every day um, to truly live your best life. And um, if you need anything, please reach out to us. Um, Any parting words, Brother Jay? Just take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Do what you need to do um, so that you can be the best version of yourself in all aspects of your life. Reach out. Stay connected. But most importantly, do what you need to do to be the best version of yourself. And don't worry about what other people are thinking. Your mental health is all about personal wellness and so you can't be well physically if you are not well mentally and take self checks do inventory it's like a store manager will do inventory take an inventory of yourself recognize like yo i've been i've been snapping lately um and be real with yourself but also um, hold yourself accountable because uh, you and i got to do for you and i straight up Straight up. On that note, you have just witnessed another edition of the Game Recognized Game podcast with RLJ and Kev. I'm KEV, that's RLJ, and we are the gentlemen advancing the melanin evolution, where evolution is revolution. Until we meet again, be like.